Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Crew, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, joined by my good friend and co-host, Cody Frankel. We have an unreal interview today with Brandon Dubinsky, a New York Ranger for six seasons, one of my favorite players growing up to watch. You know, great stuff with him, lots of stories, didn't really talk too much current Rangers. So Cody and I are going to get into that a little bit. But before we do that, I know Cody wants to talk about the baseball offseason and and the Jets and you know, no one really listens to the, his, his rants probably in the two minutes of the football bit baseball that's, stuff. But That's false. Uh, <laughs> that's very false. The king of New York is back. That's all that matters. Aaron Judge is is back. Um, huge, huge re-signing. You seem very enthused about it. Yeah. Well, I dude, I used up all my enthusiasm fucking going absolutely <laughs> banana land when he re-signed. Um, but no, nah, I mean, they still got a lot of work to do. I mean, I see the Mets making some huge signings. They got their guy Nimmo back. They they splurged on that Japanese pitcher. They're getting they're making some moves. So Yankees got to make some moves too. And then Jets and Giants have two really big games today. So a lot of good things going on for New York sports right now. But uh, I don't want to take too much time on this. You want to talk about your tournament a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so I posted on my Instagram and and like a little bit on Twitter on Saturday. Nothing's really finalized yet, but. My roommate Holden is very good at like throwing events and and you know just good at like raising money for different fundraisers that kind of stuff. And there's this outdoor ice rink in Bushwick, right near the Brooklyn Mirage. Anyone who likes you know going to concerts and stuff that Hell can yeah. kind of give you a better idea of the area. And Holden was like, "Dude, you should throw like a two on two, three on three tournament like outdoors, like in, in January, and have you know your your network and the people that you can uh, reach out to come and just hang out." So the date we have right now, it's nothing's finalized yet but we are in the middle of like working out all the details. So we're looking at January 15th. It's a Sunday. The Rangers play the Canadians at five o'clock. We're going to try to have the Ranger game on a projector outside, you know, have like 16 teams of four play two on two, like 10 minute games, like nothing too competitive. You know, people are asking like, you know, how good you have to be to play. We're just going to try to get, you know, I, I don't know what the math was. It was 16 times four that many people to come play. 64, you idiot. Whatever. <laughs> 64 people, 64 people to play. Um, you know, we're going to have people, you know, come hang out also. I think my dad's actually going to be on the grill. We're going to have a barbecue and, and, uh, you know, like hot chocolate, some beer, some different, uh, alcohol sponsors and stuff. So, you know, there's outdoor heaters, fireplaces. It's it's a really cool setup. So we're looking to have like, you know, a pond hockey kind of outdoor hockey feel to it and hopefully cater it toward Ranger fans. But, you know, obviously anyone who wants to come by can, can come hang out. And it's really just like, you know, not nothing too crazy, like a good family Sunday, you know, Come hang out outside, play some hockey, meet all these different people that are, you know, hockey lovers in New York. Because there's not much of that in Brooklyn. So I thought it'd be really cool to to bring that vibe to Brooklyn. And, you know, obviously I've been living here now for like three months. So something I'm definitely passionate about. And I, I hope, hopefully we can finalize it this week. But um, there have been a lot of people that have shown interest. So if you are interested in coming, you know, it'd be, it'd be awesome to, to meet our listeners and see you all there. And, you know, watch your Ranger game and, and play a little hockey. All right. <laughs> yeah i mean i don't have the details finalized but um that's basically the gist of it so hopefully we can pull it off that would be very fun would mm-hmm. be very fun indeed 
do you want to go into some Ranger stuff? Um, I think that would be a good idea. What do you think? Yeah. So do you want to just like recap these last three games, the three game win streak? Also, we should note that the Arthur Stable thing works, dude, because we had Arthur on last year. Yeah. After game four, Rangers Penguins, the Rangers went three straight. We had Arthur on last week. The Rangers went three straight. Arthur is the answer. So shout Arthur, out to Arthur Stable. <laughs> Arthur is our savior. We should start printing out, uh, you know, some shirts with Arthur just Arthur's, Arthur's face on there. <laughs> Let me just pull up the three games. I'm just trying to remember what even happened. I went Monday versus the Blues. So it was, played it was the Blues, the Abs. No, it was Blues, uh, Golden Knights, and then Avs. So yeah. the Blues game, which we kind of touched about, or no, we didn't really. T- we didn't talk about. No, the no, game. no. We, yeah, yeah. Um, the Blues game. I thought the Rangers came out pretty dead, and that was the game in the third period where Gallant made the adjustment, put together Mika Laff and Kako, and right from the jump, you could sense they had a lot of buzz and. If you ask me, I think we have a fan question about this actually. Um, so we won't go in too deep with it right now. But that game was interesting because it wasn't Igor's best. And I think the other two games this week, Igor kind of didn't necessarily steal, but you know, ah, the Colorado game, you can make the case that he stole. But, Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, Igor was at his best, I think, in the last two games. But in this blues mm-hmm. game, it was the Rangers offense that really kind of carried them because yeah. Igor wasn't really you know, at the top of his game and the Rangers were able to uh, score six goals. So yeah, definitely a weird balance week. Um, well, can I jump in here? Yeah. yeah, Sorry. I I, I didn't mean to like keep going. No, you're good because I think, I think you're absolutely right where Igor didn't look his best against the blues, but then, you know, the Rangers really bounced back in that third period. Right. And, and got some goals, which is great. And I think that's really important to beat a team like that because even though blue, even though the Blues have been inconsistent, they're similar to us where they're a very, very talented team, okay? And then you go into Vegas with that momentum and everybody thought they're like, all right, here we go again because we're like, we can't get that consistency. So are we going to get a win against Vegas or are we just going to lose again? Vegas going into that third period, like 10 minutes left or whatever it was, it was literally one-to-one. And I was like, this game's totally going into overtime. And out of nowhere, the Rangers woke up and played probably the best third period I've seen all year. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to probably like the most sound, complete 60-minute game I've seen all year. And I think that's pretty clear it had to do with something with putting Laugh and Kako on that first line, right? With Mika which everybody's wanted for a while now. Mm-hmm. And then you take that momentum and you go into the abs and against the abs, it wasn't that pretty. I think, I think it's obvious. Like it, it wasn't that good of a game um, in t- from an offensive standpoint, right? They were playing a little sluggish and so on, but you go toe to toe with the former champs. Um, you, you bring that to overtime. So you get a point no matter what. And then not only that, but you win a shootout, which the Rangers don't do that often. So, I think it was like a very impressive showing. And I think, yeah, Igor looked incredible the last two games. Should note too, though, and not to put a damper on the wins, but they beat Vegas without Eichel and Petrangelo. They beat Colorado without McKinnon. And sure. you know, they still had Makar, Rantanen, and, and uh, who was the other I mean, guy? dude, we didn't have Kravtsov, okay? It's, it's, <laughs> it's completely No, but like, cool. it is something to be said, though. You know, like the Avs, the Avs have a laundry list of injuries right now. Like, I, I thought the Rangers would play a little bit better due to, the, due to those injuries, but. I don't think you know, the Avs have that win. many that many injuries outside oh, of McKinnon. Dude. McKinnon, Landeskog, Byram. Oh yeah, Landeskog um, didn't play either. Mm. Who else? They they have so many injuries. I'm trying to think of Manson. I think didn't play. Um, yeah, they're. I mean, they're, whatever. They're Regardless, who cares? A win's a win. 
I don't really care about that. Also, Vegas is like, dude, Vegas was like 17 and three or something. So, and, and they were doing that, like, even with their injuries, whatever. I mean, they're a very good team. They played very good this year, and we absolutely dominated them. So, that's the important thing to focus on because if you can't stay healthy, who, who cares? That's, yeah. that's not our problem. Yeah. And I thought, honestly, I thought the most encouraging thing, like, of the week was the big guys playing well, you know, like Panera and Mika, mm-hmm. like, not only do you throw Laugh and Kako on that first line and see a little push from them, Heedle, you know, scored a big goal too in that Vegas game. But, um, you know, just seeing Panarin and Mika kind of get back to, to their ways a little bit. I mean, Mika's been great all year. Panarin, Panarin, Panarin No, Panarin's had some inconsistent stretches. He also went like 12 games without scoring a goal. So, like, you know, he hasn't really been – what? He hasn't really been shooting the puck as much. Um, but Panarin definitely has had some, you know, hot and cold kind of games. But I still think, like – He's had a great year overall, obviously. All but right, dude, you're a complainer. But anyway, well, no, the, the start that Panarin got off to, he was on fire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but we all like, yes, he has a great shot. Yes, he's a good goal scorer, but he's he's always been a playmaker come first mm-hmm. kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I really did want to touch on two things here. The first thing is the Kraftsoft situation. The guy scores a goal for us after being benched for two or three games and then just gets benched again for two or three games. And now he's going to be benched again, probably tomorrow night, or I guess today when this episode comes out against the devils, like it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, No slight whatsoever against Brzezinski, but like, I I don't need to see that guy. I sure. Maybe he brings an edge, whatever, but like, we all know what kind of player he is right now. I've seen enough of Sammy Blay. Uh, You know, I, I think, Sitting Kravtsov is is one diminishing his trade value completely. If they are trying to move him, like now at this point, he's going to get moved for like a late pick, and it's just going to be a waste. I, I just don't understand Galant's like thinking in this process to not play this guy and give him a shot in the top nine. Like I don't know if he feels he should just be on the fourth line, so that's why he's not playing him and he's benching him. But it's just doing nobody any favors um, to sit this kid. I think we know the kind of offensive talent he can be. I, I know he, in the few games he has played this year, he's been a little inconsistent, but he came off a goal. He played a great game. Um, when, when was that? Was that against the Blues? He scored against the Blackhawks. Blackhawks, yeah. regardless, whatever. And then and now he's just benched the whole week? I, I thought mean, he played good against the Blues, though. He did play in the Blues game. Yeah, uh, w- whatever. So, and then he was benched two games, and I just don't understand it. Like, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? So, we're going to dive into this a lot, I think, with the fan questions. But um, in, in my opinion, I just think he, he honestly, I got to give him credit too, because, you know, Kraft's up in the past. Obviously, we've heard his uh, not necessarily whining, but, you know, he thought he, he should have made this team last year and things didn't really go his way. And things haven't gone his way this year, but he hasn't really had a bad attitude and he right. still shows up to play every night when he's in the lineup. And I think, you know, we've seen a lot of clips of him working on his game in practice with Panarin after, you know, after practice, before practice, like kind of working on his skills a little bit. And, you know, I, I think it's just uh, a narrative around him. I think at this point where hmm. it's just a lack of trust, maybe with the coaching staff, like, you know, you throw him in, he gets hurt. He, he, it's not like he's done so much to really solidify his lineup spot, but it's not like he hasn't played himself out of the lineup in the same breath. So, you know, for me, I, I think uh, at some point, He's just either going to have to have a breakout game where they can't take him out of the lineup because it's not like he kills penalties. They're either, not playing you know? him. <laughs> like, yeah, no, but, it, game. but it's not like he kills penalties. It's not like he's on the power play. So he really is kind of just like, you know, a body. Can I can I just say I disagree with you there? And, and the reason is 
what's what's the difference between playing him and playing Sammy Blay? Sammy Blay does not like. But Sammy Blay kills penalties. I guess. I mean, he just does. It's just nothing. an extra reason to keep playing the lineup and not have Kravtsov because Kravtsov isn't playing power play and he's not killing penalties. I guess. So that's like that's just one of the reasons, you know. Like same thing with Barkley Goodrow. Like Goodrow is going to stay in the lineup every night because he's a good penalty killer and he can win faceoffs when need be. So like, I, I think I, mean, I think Goodrow also brings a good edge to the game. Do I think he's yeah. top six? No, but I think I think he absolutely should be in that top nine or even the four C and and he brings an edge to the game where he's very valuable for the team. To me, like Sammy Blake killing penalties does nothing for me. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people can kill penalties. And I, the guy doesn't have a goal as a Ranger, man. And he's played like 40 games. Like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy. He, he just does nothing for me from an offensive ability, whereas Kravtsov does. And like, I think the two just aren't comparable. Like sure, Sammy Blake occasionally lays some big hits or whatever, but I, I don't know. I think it's kind of like a waste to just keep playing him or bump him down to the fourth line, take somebody out and put Kravtsov on. I, I don't know. Well, so do you have anything else you want to talk about? Because that's our first fan question. If you want to just jump in. Uh, yeah, I do. A very, very big thing is I, I think it's about time that uh, Trocheck gets put on PP2 and you put Lafreniere on power play one. I think. In the bumper. I don't care. I don't care where you're putting Lafreniere, even if it's in the bumper where he's only going to get assists and probably not goals. Like, I don't care. It, you know, a lot of people have given, myself included, you, like a, a lot of people have given Lafreniere some shit, um, you know, for not breaking out, like all, all this stuff. Like this guy is, I, I think he's seventh out of, you know, all first first overall picks in the last like 10 years in terms of like even strength goals um, in his first X amount of games. And on top of that, he has 36 or thir- – um, sorry, not 36. He has uh, how many points? 12? Who? Lafreniere points right now. 13, 14, 15. What does he have? He has 13, 13 points. points. Lafreniere has goals, 30- eight assists. Yeah, okay. So he has five goals, eight assists, 13 points in his first 29 games this year. But on top of that, that's on pace for a 36-37 point season. And if you're putting this kid on the power play, that's right around 50 points, even in the bumper. So, you know – a lot of people are saying, like, why isn't this kid breaking out? Why is this kid breaking out? I mean, I, I would argue, like, yes. Yes, he's inconsistent. Yes, he has those random nights where he's, like, a little bit invisible, and I think he needs to work on that and and be more of an aggressor, you know. But that being said, I, I think he is starting to come into his own a little bit in these last few games, and I think it's time we give him a chance on power play one, put him in the bumper, whatever, and you're going to start to see the points come. And – I would I would argue seeing this kid at 50 points a year would be great, right? So I don't know what what do you think about the whole power play one situation? Well, it's also not like this power play has been as good as they were last year. Like right. for, for whatever reason, you know the the you could say Strom maybe over Trocheck, but the Rangers power play right now is ranked 17th and they're at a 22.1 percent success rate, which hey, is you like know why? What? It's because Kreider's not scoring goals on power yeah. play. Yeah, I mean, me, I mean me, their goals are coming from Mika. That's it. It's still a good power play, but is is it like one of the best power plays in the league? Yeah. No. So I, I do think like, listen, it hasn't been good enough where you can't break it up, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm all for trying Lafreniere on power play one now. I mean, I know I was against it all summer because I just don't think that's his, you know, comfortable position being in the bumper spot. But if you get some more ice time and get some more confidence and more touches, like I'm all for it because yeah. at this point of the season and at this point of, Lafreniere and Kako's careers like they just got to be getting as much ice time as possible because otherwise they're just never going to develop the right way so that's that's really where I'm at now like listen is are the Rangers is is winning important yes of course are the Rangers 
cup contenders right now? Like, are, are we looking at this team and really saying like they can win the Stanley cup? Like I'm not there right now. I don't know if you are. I'm not there right now, but seeing how they just played this past week and they beat three other contenders, literally three other contenders injury or not, you, you could argue, you could see how they can get there. Right. Like right mm-hmm. now I would say, you know, would I feel conf- confident going into a seven game series in the Eastern conference finals? Like, no, but I could totally see how this team can get there. Um, you know, we need a few things to happen, right? We need uh Kreider to start scoring more goals. We mm-hmm. need Lafreniere and Kako to really like come out of their own. And and you could see Capo, like you can see him every single game grinding and grinding and chipping away, chipping away. And he finally scored the other day. Well earned. And he's doing a lot to be noticed. He's been playing sick. Every single game, every single shift, I am noticing him. And I think that is huge. And I think it's only a matter of time that he breaks out. Look at look at what Tage Thompson's doing, man. Like, that is what I'm seeing from Capo, where he's just going and going and going every You're single time. Taco to Tage Thompson right no, now? No, no. See, this is what you do. No, I'm not. I'm just asking you. I was no, just asking No, you. no, no. How can you compare those two? You can't. I mean, Tage is unreal. Sure you were. I was sure you were. Is, no, in the first four years of Tage's career, he was kind of a non-factor, okay? And maybe it was just because the points weren't coming and, and he was a hard worker and he was a grinder. And, you know, I have a friend who's a, a big time Sabres fan and he even said the same, same kind of thing. And, and I'm seeing that is what I'm saying from Kaka where he's coming out grinding every single shift. And I think the points are going to come sooner or later. And hopefully this goal is something he's going to build on. And now he's a big time player, like every game, because you could see that work ethic from him. And I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. I think at some point in his career, Kaka will be a, uh... Consistent thirty goal scorer. I'm very confident. I'm very confident saying okay. that. Yeah. I mean, if you if very confident, yeah. At some okay. point in his career, he'll 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 put thirty together. I think in like three straight seasons for sure. All right. I mean, I listen. That would be wonderful, especially if it was for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um. That being said, like we know what this team needs. Back to your original point, like we know what this team needs to do to get there. And I do. I think they're there at this moment in time. No, but I can totally envision and see them getting there. I yeah, there, there's no reason why they can't. It's just right now, like I'm not looking at them and saying they're one of the best sure. teams in the league. That's all right. Really kick it, it kick it a fan questions. Okay, so first cool. one we kind of talked about it a little bit. My Rocky ninety three. Mm-hmm. What do you think of GG giving Goodrow top six minutes over Crav? And I've actually I've I follow Rocky, so I've seen him been tweeting about this nonstop like all week. <laughs> um, so I'll just I'll just kick this one off. I don't think Goodrow has any business being in the top six, but like you know, that being said, I'm not going to knock him as a player. I I don't think he's useless i think he has you know a lot of good attributes that are needed for a team to go on a you know stanley cup run um but like there there like i said there's no reason for him to be in the top six like i i think yeah you know He's 10 out of 10 times yeah like 10 out of 10 10 times craft stuff should be you know in that right wing spot over goudreau i mean like you know goudreau makes a great saucer pass to heedle for that goal in vegas but i still think it's uh more beneficial mm-hmm. to have crafts up in that spot yeah yeah, I think I think you're right. You you kind of know at this point. I mean, not kind of. You do know at this point, like what Gaudreau's ceiling is. Mm-hmm. Um, where Kravtsov, it's very unknown. So I think he he's Gaudreau's more of a plug and play guy, right? Like you're plugging him in that top six. You know what you're gonna get from him. Maybe you'll get an assist that night. Like maybe he'll make some good plays. But he's the the thing with him, and I think this is the thing I'm noticing with GG is like. He's looking for guys not to make mistakes, and Goudreau doesn't make many mistakes. So that's why he's putting him in that top six. Um, that being said, like, totally agree with you. And I think 
you know, if we're looking for that edge to really like push us over the top and we're keeping, you know, Kako and Lafreniere on that first line, like let's throw Kravtsov on line two. I mean, let's throw him on line two and see what he's got and, and really give him the time of day. But for some reason, Galan just does not trust him. So, so let's go into the next one, which, you know, is kind of a piggyback on this. Nicholas Bronco, why are coaches against getting young players ice time? Is it for job security? I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like I think it could be job security and I think it could be another thing where they just don't want to have like the Rangers are a very young team, right? So like maybe they just don't want to have too many kids getting that much ice time, especially as they're all developing and you're at the same time, a team trying to win a cup. Um, it, It could be a very daunting task for a coach to put, you know, four or five kids in majority portions of the top nine and, and getting that ice time. Like right now we have, you know, the two we just mentioned, we have Heedle, um, not to mention we have Schneider on, on our D pair. We have Keandre, like Foxy. We have a lot of young kids and it's not so much as, as young players getting ice time because you see Keandre, you see Fox, you see their ice time. It's crazy. Now Lafreniere and Kako on, on line one, like they're getting a ton of ice time too. I think it's more so, um, you know, coaches like having you earn that trust and earning that ice time. And I, I think maybe GG just doesn't feel like some of these kids have done that. And he's like waiting to see it, but it's, it's hard going back to the craft stuff situation. Like it's hard mm-hmm. to, to see that happen. If you're, if you're not playing, you have to think about it also. Like this is still Galant's like second season with the team. He doesn't yeah. really know everything that these kids are capable of yet. So uh-huh. He comes into a new team. He knows what the veterans can do. Like he knows what he's he knows what he's getting from Chris Kreider. He knows what he's getting from Mika Zibanejad, from Panarin. You know, like yeah, he, he's still learning these guys. Like everyone kind of forgets that these relationships take time. You know, it's not like Glenn's going to come in right away and just have this natural bond with all the players. Like these things, right. you know, take years even sometimes. So. You know, that's something, too, that, like, really pisses me off when Ranger fans are just so quick to turn on Gallant and, like, want him fired. It's like, dude, give the guy time. Like, I know there's a, you know, narrative around him that he doesn't make it, you know, with this, with the same team for, like, three or more years. But, like, a, a coach isn't just going to come in. And I know there has been cases in the past of, like, you know, uh, Mike Sullivan coming into Pittsburgh midway through the season and, like, leading them to the Stanley Cup. But, like, right. you know, those are, like, kind of fluky things. Like, usually, yeah. Well, I don't know. You can go. No, I was going to say, like, usually what happens is kind of like the Marty St. Louis situation, right? You'll see a coach come in, the team gets that jolt of energy they need, plays insane for, like, a month, and then we'll kind of top off after that and, like, go back into the same sorts. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're absolutely right. Like, the Sullivan situation is very unique, and that's um, that's something that, like, you can look at and be like, yeah, sure, but – you know, coaches make mistakes, right? Galant has not been perfect by any means. He's done a lot of questionable things where we're like, what the hell? But at the same time, the guy just led us to an Eastern Conference final. So I don't mm-hmm. know how you can be like questioning every single decision he makes, wanting to get him fired already. Like, yes, he he has had two situations where he didn't make it to his third year. We all know that. Um, that being said, like, I, I don't think his seat should be very hot at the moment. Unless, We're saying that now because we won three in a row. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, I, I listen. I regardless, like I, I think I think they should give him you know the full year, regardless of kind of like where we where we stand. If the team kept spiraling, like yes, all right, then you need something to jolt the team. If if a coach is losing the locker room, okay, fine. But I don't think he's done that. I think a lot of his players like him. They respect him, and you know need to see this through, especially as as our team's trying to contend for a cup here. Mm-hmm. Well said. Another Kravtsov question. This one's from Perry Kunavelis. 
since Krav's been in and out of the lineup, is Drew looking for a trade? And is there any value? This is all you. Um, yeah, we kind of touched on it with uh, Arthur a little bit where he said if Drury is looking for a trade at this moment, it would be for a defenseman and not a forward. Um, the more and more I see these guys play, the more and more I agree with that. I don't think there will be any big type of trade for a forward at least until come that trade deadline. Um, if, if we're talking about like a forward playing for this team before the trade deadline, I, I think it's going to be Will Cooley um, or someone else in Hartford. I mean, you just saw Johnny Brzezinski come up, right? Uh, I think they're kind of set on that for now. I, I think they want to let this team sink or swim uh, and and put that trust in them that they'll be able to figure it out. And, and you know, Jacob Truba is now our captain. And yeah, they made Truba captain for a reason. They want to see this guy lead this team and really give him some responsibility, right? All these players chose him over guys like Kreider, Mika, and so on. So I, I think they need, you know, to rely on him a little bit to help this team out, pick this team up. And I, I think you've seen that in the last three games, right? Like there's been a total shift in the locker room this past week. And, and hopefully we can build on that in this next coming week. Cause we got some really tough games as well. So. Mm -hmm. No, I, I'm not really going to touch on this. Like I think it, it's going to be very hard to say whether or not Kravtsov's being what, why are you laughing? I'm laughing. Cause you're like, I'm not going to touch on this, but then I'm going to touch on this. Well, <laughs> I just, I just think, uh, you know, at a certain point, like, the experiment's done, right? Like, yeah, I, I you know what you have or you don't. Yeah. So I, I think it's just a matter of time. Let's okay. go to the next one from D par five, one, eight thoughts on Loft Miller, Hedl contract seasons. What are those contracts looking like? It's, it's impossible so to say right now. Yeah. It's impossible to say because you, you know, like not, none of these guys, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's really tough to say. Like I, I, this is a great question and I do want to touch on this. I think we should touch on this. Like, you know, post trade deadline when we're really close to the end of the year, because right now it's just kind of so tough to see where they're all netting out. Right. Keandre hasn't really been himself the the early part of this year. And then Lafreniere is, hasn't taken that jump yet where we're all waiting for him to just go on an absolute tear. And then, um, you know, Heedle, same thing, right? Like he's been playing really well, but, but he's also been injured a little bit, missed a couple games here and there, like he always does. So, I, I think we should touch on this, um, you know, closer to the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And last one, Sammy Hockey 36. Do you think Laf, Mika, and Kako should be a permanent line and Kreider on the third line? You you want to hit this one first? Yeah, I mean, I've been saying this for a while that I think Laf, Mika, and Kako just need to be together at some point to see if there is anything there. And clearly there has been. So why mm -hmm. not break it up or, or why break it up right now? Yeah. I think you kind of just ride it out. The team is winning. They won three in a row and, you know, it doesn't, we don't have to make it permanent. Like it doesn't have to be a line. Or they make a play strong word. Yeah. But you know, they should be together while the team's winning. And, and, you know, I think it's really important just for, you know, Lafreniere and Kako, especially to feel that extra level of confidence from their coach to be on the top line with the best center on the team. And especially if they're not getting power play one minutes, like they should be getting as much ice time five and five as possible. So I'm all for it. Kreider on the third line. I don't think it affects him so much. Um, you know, he's pretty much the mm -hmm. same player as, as he would be with Mika on the first line. A lot of Kreider's production comes in the power play or for the most part comes in the power play. So it doesn't make that much of a difference. I don't think for him as much of a difference as it makes for Lafreniere and Kako. Very well said. And like, totally like Kreider, Kreider's still playing with Trocek, right? Like Trocek's on that third line with him. So, um, you know, I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities. I don't think we need to worry about that. And, and, um, you know, permanence is a strong word until, the trade deadline and then we can see like what we do from there uh but i think for now yeah johnny johnny said it completely accurate like these kids need as much ice time as possible they're rolling right now 
and uh, let's let's let them let them let them ride it out. Yep. So we got a great interview with Brandon Dubinsky. Uh, thank you guys as always for sending in questions, but I think we should just send it over to Doobie. What do you think, Cody? Kick it. This week on the Blue Crew, we are honored to welcome on a former New York Ranger. Played in New York for about six years, and then you know, unfortunately. Spent the rest of his career in Columbus with the Blue Jackets, but definitely a fan favorite in his time here. Welcome to the show, number 17, Brandon Dubinsky. What's going on, Doobie? How you doing? Not much, guys. Thanks for having me today. Um, just hanging. Pumped to have <laughs> you. What, uh, I guess I'll kick this off. What you been up to lately? Like, What's uh, post-career NHL life? Uh, it's been busy. I mean, I think busier than uh, even when I was playing. I got uh, I got three boys, so um, they're my youngest is four. He just started skating, so he's skating a few times a week. Um, Perfect time. Roped into coaching my oldest. Uh, he's <laughs> nine. Uh, he's playing basketball. I'm coaching basketball. Oh, really? I believe mm-hmm. I never played a game. Of, I've never played a minute of basketball <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but somehow they thought I was qualified because I played sports before. Uh, so that's interesting. And then my, uh, I got a middle who's six and I'm coaching his hockey team. So sports about six days a week. My days off are Tuesday um, or my nights off that I can just kind of, you know, chill out and relax. So it's, it's busy. And then um, I started a uh, commercial real estate company oh, nice. um, about, it's almost going to be two years here in the spring. Um, so that's getting me really busy as well. So a lot of good things going on here in Columbus, and, and like I said, staying busy. Well, while you bring up basketball, I actually I was waiting to bring this up because I, I just want to confirm. I'm pretty sure I met you when I was like a 16 year old kid. Like I was walking down the street in New York, and I dap. I was like, "Yo, Doobie, I dapped you up." It was right after the Carmelo game when he hit two buzzer beaters. Were you there? He wants you so bad to remember it. Yeah, like not oh. me, but I, I'm, were you at that game? I don't know. You know what? We got. I mean, I'm not sure. I can't remember it. Um, the you best know, my, game in 20 years. Mixed memories um, was Lynn Sanity. You know, like I'm not a uh-huh. huge basketball guy, NBA mm-hmm. guy. Um, so we definitely went some, to some games, obviously, with the, you know, the, the Dolan owning the Knicks and the Rangers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were – we got lucky. We got some, you know, four-side tickets or tickets to the, most of the games that we were in town for if we wanted to go to it. Um, I lived pretty close to the garden, so I walked. Um, mm-hmm. So quite could – you know, quite possible <laughs> in that game, but – my Knicks memories were Linsanity memories, so um, it was a good time. And, and, and the playoffs when they did have Mellow, so. Yeah, that was sick. Went to a few games, for sure. Just show your kids' team that new Linsanity doc and let them figure it out. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> but, seen it. Well, you haven't seen it? It was great. Yeah. But, um, you know, we are a Rangers podcast, not a Knicks podcast. A lot of people obviously know that, you know, know you and we're fans of you that you're from Anchorage, Alaska, but I think it kind of goes a little hidden that you grew up a Rangers fan. Can you – kind of talk about that and how cool that was for you to be drafted here and start your career here? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. So um, my dad grew up in New York. Um, he was actually born in the Bronx and then grew up on Long Island. Um, oh, what part of Long Island? He was growing up um, in Long Island. He grew up in Massapequa. Oh, he, no way. You know, the Islanders, uh, you know, this is, again, probably, you know, early 60s. I don't know if – I don't even know when the Islanders even became a team. <laughs> but uh, I know they weren't very good, obviously – you know, at some point, the, you know, in the in the in the late seventies and the early eighties, obviously they were you know a dynasty. But anyway, he was a big hockey fan growing up, so he used to go out to the to the practice rink um, where they used to play, and he'd watch them practice. So he was a huge you know Eddie Jockman, Roger Blair fan um, back in those days. Um, loved hockey. Wasn't fortunate enough to be able to afford to be able to play hockey. 
um, but was a huge, huge Rangers fan. Even when he moved out to, you know, the Island, he stayed a Rangers fan, mm-hmm. especially when the Islanders were good. And then fast forward, obviously, as a, as a kid, um, that was his favorite team. And we said the satellite dish that was massive um, at our house. Uh, we used to get MSG in, in all the way up in Alaska. Um, so we used to, you know, watch the games, you know, when I was growing up and became a huge Rangers fan, became a huge Adam Graves fan. Obviously watched him win the Cup in 94. I think I was, you know, eight or nine years old at that time. Um, and stayed a Rangers fan all the way up until, like you said, I got drafted. And, you know, the thing that I always remember about the the draft was, you know, it was, it was down in Carolina and it was actually, it's, it's you know, quite funny. The, it was generally between the way that I felt anyways throughout the whole process was it was either going to be the Rangers or the Blue Jackets that took me. Oh, really? Uh, wow. The Blue Jackets had the 59th pick, so I was 60th to the Rangers. But the Blue Jackets had the 59th pick, and they took a defenseman from Ottawa. And I tell my dad, I said, I, I think this is going to be the – I think this is it. And uh, sure enough, it was. Um, but l- living back, back that memory, I, I was obviously thrilled, but I, uh, he was happier than I was. I mean, he, he went crazy. <laughs> he started – we you know, we went home, back to Alaska. He starts pulling out, like, Stanley Cup – gear from 94 that's still in the plastic <laughs> and um, all bunch of shit like that so um it was a pretty exciting time for all of us yeah that's unreal you're like living the mystery alaska life you know the <laughs> rangers and growing up in alaska <laughs> sick yeah and uh doobie so you were the first jersey i ever bought for my dad he was uh you know a big you were a big favorite of his as as many ranger fans but what would you say was your most memorable moment or f- maybe favorite story during your time as a ranger that maybe fans don't know about or, or didn't hear about <laughs> oh man uh <clears throat> I'm sure you have many but rookie party or something yeah there's a lot i got it i do have a good rookie party story so you know we uh obviously as a rookie i mean like i was just blessed with not only veterans but hall of famers obviously mm-hmm. you know with yager and, and shanahan and then you know you had you know super veterans like uh you know malik um, Straka, Maslin came the next year. Chris Drury was there. Scott Gomez was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all these guys that have been in the league for forever. Um, so we actually had our rookie party in New York, and uh, uh, we we're out at dinner. And I told uh, I told the server, you know, because the boys started ordering all the real expensive uh-huh. wine and champagne. And that bill started <laughs> up, and so I told the server, I said, "Hey, next time they order, like you know, a bottle of." crystal or something you know some 500 dollar bottle i said tell them they don't have it tell them it's out of stock. So, you know the next three or four times they came down they said oh sorry you know we don't have that one and then word got out that i told them that and they just went mm-hmm. like they went crazy and i think you know luckily for us i think there was me callie danny Girardi, um mark stall i think there was like four or five of us that kind of whacked down that bill but it was it was uh it was a big one and, uh, you know, I, I didn't do us any favors by telling, you know, to, to tell the, the big boys that, that they were out of some of the finer wines and champagnes in the establishment. They probably doubled the bill because of that. Uh, no, no question. They were taking things to go. I'm not joking. You know, it was, it was, it was fun. Though. Well, you just dropped some big names. I mean, like Shanahan, Yager, and then, you know, throw in one of my favorite players growing up, Sean Avery. And I know you played, you know, you played a lot with Yager, Avery, and, you know, I, I'm assuming a guy you looked up to in Gomez. Yeah, you, you got to have some kind of funny story about playing with Yarmir Yager, who's literally a living legend, and you know, a guy who likes to stir shit up like Sean Avery. I mean, that's that's like the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, that's insane. Oh, so 
Yeah, I mean, you just literally teed it up. And by the way, <laughs> everyone listening, we haven't talked. We did not talk about this before we jumped on here. But <laughs> we're down in Florida. <clears throat> Tom Rennie's the coach. And Sean was playing left wing and, and, and the Yags was playing the right side. And we're in a team meeting. And Tom, you know, comes up and, he, and he's drawing some some stuff on the board. And, you know, he's, he's going through kind of – we had a uh, team meeting because – when we went down and played the Panthers, we wouldn't stay in Sunrise. We would generally stay in Fort Lauderdale because Slats like the nicer hotels. He wanted to be, mm. you know, on the beach, in the mix. With, with feet in yeah. the sand, the whole thing. So we would never pregame skate down there. We would just go down and, and uh, we would have a meeting in the morning. So, you know, Tom, you know, Rennie's drawn some stuff up. And then um, it wasn't five minutes after the meeting. Tom <laughs> comes up to me. He's like, fuck that. You know, this is what I'm telling you to do. And the eggs comes up and he's like, fuck that. This is this is how we're gonna do it. Fuck what you know Tom said and what Tom said. And then <clears throat> I'm not even making this up. Like five minutes later, we're all sitting out down eating, you know, our pregame meal. And Tom calls me aside and he's like, Hey, what's you know, blah blah blah. And I'm like, Man, I, I don't know what to do. I got Sean telling me one thing, I got Yags telling me another, and, and obviously you're the head coach, but <laughs> well, fuck them both. I'm the head coach, so what I say goes. Well. Long story short, I, I listened to 68 because he was the oh, one yeah. that was determining whether or not I was going to be on the ice for 20 minutes the next night or not or that night. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the that was the guy that I listened to. That's unreal. That's amazing, I, I would do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Sean Avery, I mean, you you yourself rang the bell quite a few times throughout your career. You had some pretty noticeable scraps against guys like Zach Cassian and things of that nature. So was there ever a time where – somebody was trying to stir some shit up with you or, you know, pick a fight and you were just like, absolutely not. And if so, who? Say that again. Yeah, who'd you, who'd you back down from? Was, was there anybody who ever tried fighting you and you were just like, I want no part of this? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, not really. I mean, to be honest, there was, there was guys that were like so scary um, when I first came to the league. But like they didn't, you know, really bother you and come near you. It was like, you know, the, the, the Carcillos and the, uh, you know, Zach Ronaldos and the Tom Sestitos mm. and like mm, Dito. guys that were just kind of like they were He's tough crap. and they were just, you know, they, but they weren't like that heavyweight level. Like, you know, they weren't the guys that I played. They weren't Colt Nor. They weren't Donald Brashear. They weren't, you know, George LaRock. You know, those mm-hmm. guys. They weren't that scary because they, they just they didn't really ever come after you it was like kind of that next wave of guys that wanted to come after you and um you know i I guess to you know to be honest there wasn't any of those guys that really scared me too much it was it was the monsters that scared me so i stayed away from brian mcgratton and all those (laughs) animals and uh so i don't i don't think there's anybody you know that ever i mean there's probably a couple times where somebody grabbed me and said hey like and i'm just like yep no problem (laughs) yeah And, and hang out but um generally those guys stuck in their own weight class so yeah i gotta ask about one specific fight which i'm sure you hear about all the time and I, i'm curious how many times you've watched this clip over and over the anisimov reload the oh, weapons you jump in fight like oh, yeah. how many times you watch hbo 24 7 and see that clip and just laugh your ass off like it's a fun like i i'm dying to know because they had the camera in the locker room when you guys walked back in but they didn't show like how it, you know, were played. So I'm dying to know what went on in that locker room after that happened. Oh, uh, it was. Um, I think there's like a clip, and I'm sure you're, that's what you're referring to. Is like when we're walking in, we kind of all like look at them, like we got that, like that's funny, <laughs> you know, like that, you know, that 
that was good. You know, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, I think already at the time, you know, he was just, you know, celebrating and, you know, having a good time. Like, I don't think he thought he did anything wrong. Obviously they took exception to it. That's my, uh, you know, sentiment at the time. I think I was playing left wing. I think it was him, Cali and I, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he just, he was, he was a guy that I loved playing with. He was a great line mate to have. So, you know, he did that. They took exception. I jumped in. It was a good time, but you know, again, he was, he was such a mild mannered, nice guy. Like I, I think he was just genuinely happy, you know, it was just like a celebration and, I don't think he expected, you know, everyone to, you know, take it the wrong way and get get all pissed off at him and come after him. So we came in, we said we had a good chuckle about it, and uh, everybody did. Coaches, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it went on for a little while. I think, you know, the next few practices, there was a few guys that were sharp shooting, you know, Hank after scoring. <laughs> so uh, we had fun with it for sure. Yeah, that's good shit. That's, that's great. Um, yeah. And, and one of my favorite personal, uh, you know, memories during your time with the Rangers was that huge game winner against the caps in the Oh nine playoffs. It obviously ended up being, you know, a tough fought series loss, but when a series like that goes down, how much does something like that linger for players? Like, does it linger for a long time afterwards? And, you know, if so, how do you kind of take that and then use it for fuel to get you prepared for the next season? Yeah, that, I mean, that was a tough one. Um, we certainly take it. I mean, every single time, you know, you, you fight, we, you know, we talk about it right from the get-go, um, you know, in training camp, the coach comes in, gives us a big rah-rah speech, you know, to 60 guys that are sitting there. Obviously, we, we pretty much know the 20 guys that are, we're going to go to battle with that year. And, you know, we spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of energy effort uh, going through the season with, with these guys and, and, you know, sort of these on-ice wars with these guys. And, yeah. Um, when you exit, yeah, I mean, it stings, it stings for a while. Um, you know, looking back, obviously that one stung a little bit, but I think the one that stung the most was really 12 when we mm. lost to, uh, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, obviously one time I, I cried as a fan summer. I got <laughs> that summer, but, um, I felt like that we had the team to get it done that year. I know LA was hotter than a pistol and they were flying, um, I think they lost only a couple games throughout the – maybe even one or two games through the first three rounds and then uh, maybe beat New Jersey in six, if I can't remember. I, I think it was six. Yeah, But yeah. I think – They were like undefeated on the road in that playoff. They, it was insane. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. yeah. But that was the one that I remember the most. And, and I think yeah. even getting yeah. traded was pretty sour too. Kind of just – I felt like we were, we were right there and, and we could have brought back the same team and, and been better next year. Um, so that was the one that kind of, even though I got traded, stuck with me for, for a while. Totally. Yeah. And, and to that point, like you bring up the devils and there's been a lot of talk this year about the Rangers rivalry with the Islanders versus their rivalry with the devils. And, you know, a lot of people argue that the Rangers have more of a hatred toward the Islanders because it's the battle of New York. But, you know, in, in my lifetime, it's always been as far as on the ice goes, like the Ranger devil rivalry, there's, there's nothing better than that. So like, you know, as a player, can you kind of touch on that? Cause I think fans are a little misguided on which rivalry is stronger. I mean, I think you got to go back. Like you got to, you know, significantly predate me back to a true Islanders Rangers, you know, rivalry and hatred. Like my time in New York, the Isles sucked. <laughs> like it was like point night every single time we went to Nassau Coliseum. Damn. Um, now, I mean, most fans are going to look this back and they're going to be like, well, you didn't score that many points. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> if you actually take my 
my points that I did score and, and, and peel off what the Islander stats are, it's a significant bump in, in, in the rest of it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that the Islanders, uh, you know, while it was certainly a rivalry, whenever we went to Nassau Coliseum, it was all, I mean, it, it was felt like a home game. You know, yeah. it was, it was yeah. uh, you know, frankly, in, in Jersey a little bit too, just because the Rangers fans are, are you know, so prominent and travel so well. But um, we, uh, the Devils were good. You know, the Devils were always right there. They were always in the mix in the division, either a little bit ahead of us, a little bit behind us. I don't think either one of us ever, you know, blew the other one out, um, you know, in the regular season. And, um, and you know, the, if I, I, don't, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it, it feels like the Islanders missed the playoffs every year that I played there. So mm-hmm. um, I think that obviously winning and going back and forth, that, that really helps build those rivalries. Playoff series, you know, I, I played them. Um, a few times while I was a Ranger, I played against the Devils. Uh, obviously, my rookie year and then my last year, maybe that's the only two times that I played them. We won once, lost once. But I think that's what creates those rivalries. Uh, fans create rivalries too, but that was, uh, you know, certainly for me, it was more of a rivalry rivalry with, uh, with the Devils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, staying on the topic a little bit of the of the current team, you know, the Rangers have had a tough time developing some of their younger players like Lafreniere, Kako. I'm not sure how much you've been keeping up with any of their prospects or anything like that, but they do have one really talented prospect in Brendan Othman, who, funny enough, Johnny and I yeah. said he reminds us of your game. Um, and what do you what do you think someone like that with such high expectations? needs to do to get their game to really translate into production when coming to the NHL? You're asking the heavy hitting questions because I'm not following the team enough. Again, I, I, told you, I have three <laughs> children that are under the age of 10 and, and a new business, but um, you know, like anything, I think, um, you know, number one, it's just going to take the the work. What I, what I find today, yeah. and, and I'm just going to just use this as generality because I Frankly, I, I, don't, I haven't focused enough on the team, right. um, you know, to know. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a willingness, I think, to, to do, you know, whatever it takes. I think, you know, coming in as a, as a young guy, I, you know, I came in sort of playing on the fourth line, uh, playing low minutes, um, you know, ended up working on my game and working hard, trying to do all the different little things right. And I think um, – you know, for a player like that, I'm assuming he's, you know, got a lot of skill, a lot of talent. I'm not, you know, saying the guy needs to play, you know, go out there and fight guys and, and do right. all that stuff. But, you know, being physical, being hard to play against, you know, playing hard in the puck, trying to learn how to, you know, make sure that you're not getting too high, getting too low, and, you know, really treat and practice the right way, um, coming into your games and then trying to become a pro and, and focus on, you know, the consistency aspect of it is really going to help this game. And, you know, his play away from the puck is going to help him have the puck more. I think that's one of the biggest things right now that people, you know, don't realize is like, you know, that if they're not scoring, they're not being offensive, they start cheating a little bit. And um, when they start cheating, they're, they're just not in the play enough and they're not make you know, they're not get, they're not able to get themselves going offensively. Sometimes, you know, you can get yourself going, get yourself going offensively, um, you know, by playing hard away from the puck and, and being a good checker and, and, and making sort of those little plays that, you know, nobody notices and that kind of starts flowing into, um, you know, your offensive game. And then from there you build your confidence and start getting on a roll. So, um, you know, for a young player, I would just tell them to focus on their consistency, their practice habits, and, um, you know, just trying to get better every day. 
I want to piggyback off that quick too, because, you know, not, not to bring up anything like negative, but I remember there was one year where it's, you know, I think it took you a couple games to get your first goal or, or something. Right. I, I don't remember which, which season that was, but you know, you played for two NHL teams in your career. One was New York city. The other one's Columbus, which is still a great sports town, but as a player in New York, as an athlete in New York in the world's most famous arena, the brightest lights, the biggest stage, did you feel that pressure that, you know, the young kids right now might be feeling a little bit like, does that get to you in New York city as opposed to in a city like Columbus? There was certainly a lot more pressure uh, playing in New York. There's no question about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, to be quite honest for me, it didn't weigh on me. Maybe. I mean, I, I guess, you know, you could call me, uh, you know, ignorant or naive or whatever. Mm-hmm. It didn't weigh on me as much as, you know, maybe it would have some other guys because, you know, and partially I think, you know, I had a pretty good rapport with the media and the fans. I think sometimes the media can drag, you know, people down, the yeah. fans can drag individuals down um, in that city. But, um, you know, for me, it was never, uh, again, I mean, never a, a lack of effort type of thing. And I think that that's something that, you know, uh, Rangers fans are are so, you know, mindful of and cognizant of is, is players that, literally you know wear their heart on their sleeve and and, and 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 try and bring it every single game whether they're going through these scoring slumps whether they're you know you know all these other things um they appreciate guys that come to work every day and you know put on the you know put on the put on their skates and um you know and work hard so um that was something that i tried to do every game every day when i played for both really the rangers and the blue jackets so um yeah there was absolutely you know, some time and, and some pressure. And I think as you get older, that pressure mounts a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, you might be alluding to the, the last season I was there. I struggled my ass off the first yeah. 20 games of that season. Um, I went from the first line to the fourth line, you know, torch was all over my ass. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much it got played into me being traded, whether it had something to do with that season or they just yeah. liked having, you know, the idea of Rick Nash, who was obviously a yeah. superstar in his own right. But uh, it was it was tough, and and when you sign a big contract, that's when you start feeling these pressures, and these guys are, are start feeling this pressure. So um, I certainly felt some pressure in New York, but um, maybe not as much as other guys because I tried to bring it every single night. And mm-hmm. if I wasn't scoring, you know, I was hitting, I was fighting, I was doing something else, winning faceoffs to try and help the team win. And I think um, I always got good, you know, uh, reaction and feedback from from fans and, and from media. And that, that certainly helped me get me through some of the tougher times in New York. Yeah. I was, I was at the game on Monday night and there was a guy in front of me wearing a Dubinsky Jersey. I was going to send you a picture, but like we, had, we weren't boys yet. So I don't know if I could do it or not, but uh, no, I, I actually still remember like vividly, like your first goal that year. Like, I think I, like, I forgot who was against, but I think you came down like the right wing side, cut across the middle and let one rip. And like, you looked up to the set, like the sky, like thanking God for fucking scoring. I think it was the Islanders. Yeah. It might've been the Islanders. I think Nabokov maybe. Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's, you go from having your best season. I mean, it it wasn't easy. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was easy, but you go from having your best season. I think I scored 25 the year before uh, led the team in scoring. Um, I had one. And then the next year, I'm trying to remember where we played. We we started the season on the road because they were renovating uh where were we Sweden? I think we started in oh, Sweden. Yeah. Uh, I had a goal disallowed against LA or Anaheim. Can't remember which uh-huh. one. And like, dude, that was like the biggest curse of all time because that was like you know, <laughs> one of our first two games. And generally when you get going, um, 
you know, when, when you score right away, you know, you start getting the juices going and you start feeling good about your game. But yeah, there's no question that there was, I'm sure a huge relief and it did, it took me a while and uh, it was, I'm sure it was extremely frustrating at the time for me. Mm-hmm. What? Well, I want to add to that a little bit. When when you're going through a stretch like that, do did you or you know do other players have any type of like superstition or anything to really get them going? Black tape to white tape. <laughs> no question. That's it, right? Yeah. Oh, no question. Um, you don't try and you know you know you don't you try not to change anything. Um, you try and you know you hear a lot about um, you know self talk and like you know. You, you watch, I mean, listen, we're all human. So you start watching clips of yourself scoring. Like you, you're like, all right, tonight's going to be the night. You know, you start, you, you know, you cue up the tape of, of, you know, some good shifts and some good games and some score, you know, some goals that you've scored um, mm-hmm. and try and get some good vibes going. Um, you know, you hear about people all the time squeezing the stick and loss of confidence mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when it's rolling, it stays rolling. And, um, there's no question that's true. So yeah, I mean, you, you kind of try and do a little bit of everything you try and, you know, have some, you, you try and prepare the same way. Um, but you know, you have these, these moments where you're trying to watch, you know, yourself having success and, and you try and, you know, bring that into the games, um, you know, that are ahead. If you were playing in today's game with, uh, with sports betting legal, would you text your boys in the group chat? Take me anytime score tonight. I'm getting one. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that if I was in the NHL today. I'd be texting my friends all the time when I feel good. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it's a, obviously a lot different than when I was playing. But let me tell you, I, I had some, I used to have some buddies of mine that would still text me and be like, "Hey, who's playing tonight? Who's playing the Nets tonight?" They, you know, they'd be wanting to know if the back was in. Um, <laughs> I'd be like, "You fuck, you know, I can't tell you know, I'm, you know, I'm not. Hey, I'm not going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's reading these text messages. So, um, no, yeah. I wouldn't do that. But uh, um shit you know what i'll tell you i'll tell you this much since i've done playing you know messing around i've bet some games you cannot bet the nhl anyways i don't care if you have a buddy who plays for a team unless they went out the night before till like 9 a.m and and (laughs) literally nobody on the team can walk and he's telling you to take you know take the other way um hockey is the hardest sport it's almost impossible to bet um it's just it's a crap. I mean, listen, I'm looking at a game right now. It's six to one Buffalo six, nothing in the first, who knows which way I would, would have, you know, told anyone to, to bet that way. They just got their ass kicked in Pittsburgh last night. You know, who knows? Tough, tough to bet hockey. I don't know if you were watching the game, like maybe three weeks ago when the Panthers were in town in Columbus and they absolutely dominated the blue jackets, but they lost like five, two. I, I write for action network. So I do like the hockey betting every now and then I actually been winning records. So I'll, I'll attest that. I'll attest Barely. That. But uh, I tweeted out, like, the Panthers are buzzing. Like, bet them live right now. They were down 2-1. to one. They tied it, like, two minutes after I tweeted it. So everyone's like, oh, thanks so much. Like, great line. <laughs> and then the Blue Jackets score three goals on Bobrovsky. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm about to get roasted on Twitter. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and, I, and I did. <laughs> that's are you great. cool with a couple more questions each, Jimmy? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, yeah, I know you got your hands full these days, but any future type of aspirations to ever get into, like, a front office type role or analyst type role? Anything like that, or you're you're out yeah. and you're out. You're just coaching. I'm out. Um, you know, I'm gonna enjoy my my boys, and obviously, you know, as a, as a dad, I want to make sure that uh, you know I'm pushing them enough that uh, you know they're they're working hard when they're there, but they're having fun. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as anything related to hockey, that's it, man. I'm gonna be a, a dad for them and, and a coach for them. Um, 
you know, I really, uh, I love hockey. Hockey's given me everything in my life. Um, I owe everything I have to hockey for sure. But, uh, you know, I'm really happy what I'm doing right now. I have uh, a great business, great partners, um, great, you know, business relationships and, and everything here in, in Columbus is, is doing, is going well for me. So um, I couldn't be happier. I guess you should never say never. Like I said, I love the game of hockey, uh, mm-hmm. but right now I don't have any interest um, in doing anything with a team or with a network or or anything like that. So I'm really happy with what I'm doing right now. Love that was it. our pitch well, to get you on as a coach. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, we'll have you, <laughs> and we'll have you during playoffs. Like what you can, you know, yeah, yeah. you can be the third host, whatever you need. Yeah. Well, will Johnny will babysit your kids. Like honestly, whatever you need. Down. See this? I'm still trying to fix my teeth from when I played. Really? I, these too. these are fake. These four. <laughs> what do you mean? I got twenty of them. <laughs> yeah, Twelve that were knocked out. But here's the thing. So I'm like, uh, you know, career's over. I got uh, six knocked out when Kovalov knocked six out when I played in New York top six, and then when I played here, my own teammate Jack Johnson knocked the bottom six mm-hmm. out. So when I was done, you know, I had six and six, and they were all right. And um, I was having a cigar watching the masters, you know, about a year and a half ago. And uh, sure enough, one of those broke on the bottom. Um, so I actually went back to the Rangers dentist. Uh, <laughs> big shout out to my, to my boys up there. Uh, Dr. Solomon, Dr. Esposito um, up there in Scarsdale, my guys. Um, oh, so I came back and they, you know, what's that? Yeah. That's where no, Scarsdale. Yeah, we, we got Scarsdale. So anyway, you know, I come back there. I'm like, Hey guys, like you guys, do you guys did the best job, you know, my teeth. So, can you fix them all? They're like, yeah, you know, but the one that broke, the one that's missing, they're like, yeah, we got 50-50 shot at, at fixing it. Here's what we have to do. So anyway, long story short, about here I am about 18 months later, um, and I'm just about to get my tooth. I had to get a full implant done. And so it's, you know, it takes forever it's to get it done. Months, I tried, yeah. try, it took like eight months. And before that, they tried to do some like gum lengthening to grab onto the root, this whole crazy thing. So here I am 18 months later. I'm finally about to get a tooth here in the next week or so. Do you have the metal rods in? I have like three metal rods and they like. Oh, yeah. It. It's, yeah, it it's in there right now. I got to go get the the tooth getting made right now. And then they're going to go in there and screw the thing in. And Yep. It's just the worst. I had a slice of pizza last week and I felt it like get loose. So I've been pushing it up every 10 minutes to keep it yeah. stuck together. But yeah, I mean, like you also wore nothing covering your face because you're nuts. I don't know how you did that for your whole career. That was insane. <laughs> I, I hate, I couldn't stand wearing, uh, so there was a game. I actually, I was playing for the jackets at the time. Um, and you know, this is like right when my, my, maybe my, my first son was pretty young and, uh, my agent, uh, time and my wife were like, Hey man, like you should probably think about wearing a shield, like a half shield, just, you know, protect <laughs> your eyes, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, sounds like a pretty good idea. And I think at the time <laughs> I was injured, like I had like a, you know, some my you know minor injury that yeah um, you know two week injury something like that um so I'm, i put a shield on and i'm you know wearing it uh for practices and stuff like that um we play in nashville first game can't remember who hit me um so i was wearing the shield for like to start the game and i can't remember who hit me but like my the shield kind of like came down there was snow all over it like i got up i couldn't see I was like, where I was like, give me the thing. I went to the bench, under my chin strap, threw it to the trainer. I was like, get this fucking visor out of my helmet. <laughs> um, 
obviously finished my career with it because Zach Cassian destroyed my, you know, blew up my face, you know, fractured my orbital bone. Yeah. I got some titanium plates in my face now. Um, so I had to protect what was left of, uh, of you know, the, the left mm-hmm. side of my face and my eye. Um, wow. So at that point, it was no choice, but I would have finished my career, no, no question, without one if, if I had my own way, I guess. Yeah. So- Pretty badass. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Cody's gonna make fun of me because I have like three more questions. I always right. like, have, you know, I say every I have time. one more and I have every single time. That's fine. Um, nothing but, but time, nothing but yeah. time, boys. Well, so a lot of fans, like the longest game in my career that I played was a double overtime game in juniors in, in the NHL. Like, you know, can't compare it to the NHL playoffs, but I don't think fans really understand like how exhausting that can be. So, like, that triple overtime game in Washington, can you take us through like? you know, the intermission, are you mucking pizza? Like, what are you doing to, to stay awake for that game? That was insane. Like I was, was sitting in the stands sleeping. You were out in that game? I was out in that game. No, You're I trash. wasn't sleeping, but I was sitting there just biting my fingernails. Yeah, I had a um, – I was out. I had a high ankle sprain. So I, no missed, shit. I missed the Washington series and came back for uh, for the Devil series. I so didn't that realize that. He scored the, the overtime winner. Um, so I was out for that game. But uh, – you know, some other long games, double overtime games I've been in. No, I, I just, you become numb. You just like your body, like you become like almost robotic. Like you just, you, I don't think guys even are, you know, like the, the trainers kind of get more excited than the players do. They come in like, you know, it feels like yeah. you're, at a, you're at like a soccer practice. So, so <laughs> with like the orange slices and like uh-huh. you know, the, all the, the, the drinks and stuff. But um, you know, the, all that stuff was already kind of every guy has their own thing, whether like I was always, I always drank, you know, some diluted Gatorade and water during the intermission. Some other guys were drinking, you know, this bio steel stuff, um, you know, electrolytes, you know, everyone had their own thing. So, you know, they would shake up bottles and have them ready to go. And, you know, for me, um, it was always, you know, the same, every intermission was the same. Um, uh, you know, I never really ate, even when we got into the playoffs. So we got into those these double overtime games. Um, I would say most guys were the same way, but you know, again, I didn't play in the triple overtime. Yeah. I'm not sure how those boys were feeling afterwards, but I'm sure you know, fairly tired. Um, but yeah, it, it was always tough for me. Like I was the guy that ate at like I was the first one to eat. I mean, I would eat at like 11:30. I didn't eat again until like 11 o'clock at night. 11:30, your pregame meal? Yeah, like 11:30. Uh, we we game skate, you know, tw- probably about twelve. Uh, we'd be on the road. It would be like twelve because we we were always like second. So at home, you know, most of the teams skated like ten, mm-hmm. and then on the road, you skated eleven. Um, you know, most pregame skates are about fifteen minutes long. So on the road, if we were skating, I would I would skate for fifteen minutes. I would jump off the ice, shower real quick, jump in a cab, and get right to the hotel. So eleven thirty, eleven forty five. That was always. Homer away uh, about mm-hmm. the time I ate. So, um, you know, wow. for me, if it's a seven o'clock game, seven thirty game, it's seven and a half, eight hours before it even starts. Since the last time I, I ate anything, sure. um, I don't know. You just get into this, you know, rhythm, this routine, um, and then when you do, when when you try and change it up or you do something else, you just fuck it up. And and mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, you know, some guys, I think it, it gets even worse as you get older. And as longer you play you add like, you know, your routine might be, you know, this. I, some guys are superstitious. Some guys say, you know, it's just routines. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But a lot of guys, they do the exact same thing before every single game. Um, yeah, that's and nice. then as you keep playing, 
you start adding to it. Like you eat the same thing, you know, that you go to the rink at the same time, you have the same coffee. When you get there, you do the exact same thing the whole entire way. And then the longer you play, you always find a way to add to it. And after a while, you got this, you know, laundry list of things to do when you get to the rink that literally brings you from, you know, I was a guy that got to the rink at 4.30. We played at 7, um, you know, four, four, between 4 and 4.30. You know, you got to 7, but it was literally like, there wasn't a minute that went by that you didn't have something to do, whether it was taking a shit, taking a piss. Yeah. I yeah. mean, all these things were very meticulous in time and, and, you know, for most of the guys. I would show up at the rink at 4.30 and I'd sit on the toilet till 5. <laughs> Get everything out of me and, and then no I'm ready to go. <laughs> Not even kidding. Great. Yeah, I just got one more for you, Dube. Um, So you, you lined up against some great players, you know, throughout your career, like Ovi, Crosby, obviously two future Hall of Famers, among others. But was there one guy you just couldn't stand playing against throughout your career? Couldn't stand playing against? Yeah. Not really. I mean, I think, you know, the easy answer is Crosby. I mean, I think everybody, you know, you know, it's the easy answer. Yeah. Um, I couldn't stand a lot of the things that, you know, and obviously always played him hard. I couldn't stand a lot of things that, you know, you know, he did, um, you know, and all these things. But at the same time, um, you know, he's one of the – greatest of all time and and i really enjoyed so i mean like i'm kind of going against what you said but i really enjoyed <laughs> playing against these guys that's fair um i enjoyed playing against Sove. i enjoyed playing against crosby and and trying you know to to do my best to stop them to make them have a yeah. time to play hard on them to make night miserable on them you know both of them and amongst other you know great players that i played against um you know, that was something that I really looked forward to. So some might take it as hate. I took it as enjoyment. I enjoy playing against these guys um, and then playing them hard and, you know, trying to make life tough on them. Obviously, you know, they will go down as two of the greatest players in this game, in the history of the game, for okay. a reason. Um, if you don't get up uh, to play those guys and enjoy playing those guys, then, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you shouldn't be playing. So it was something that I always was excited about, even though at the end of the day, you know, I couldn't, couldn't stand them. But you beat the shit out of both of them. <laughs> that was fun too. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the only guy that's ever fought the two of them, right? I'm sure. I, yeah, I, there's I no way. Maybe it'll be a Jeopardy question. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well, I, I guess, uh, you know, my, my second to last one, the last one, I'm, it's, it's a fun one. But, um, you know, speaking of players, playing against but this one's a guy you played with now in the rangers obviously panarin can you just talk about that guy and how special he is like i, I think sometimes ranger fans are you know starting to get a little critical of him because they expect so much but yeah. you play with him every day and swept tampa with him i mean that was fucking sick like yeah i was serious he he uh yeah i mean super special player um i don't you know kind of like there's not enough you know good things to say about him i mean he was he was humble quiet um, good guy came to work every day, not the biggest guy, but you know, um, he was incredible. I mean, he's incredibly difficult to play against, um, you know, phenomenal skill shot, uh, vision, all, you know, all he's got, you know, all the attributes that you'd want out of a superstar. Um, you know, he, he doesn't take nights off. Um, you know, he came from humble beginnings. I don't know how many people know that, you know, he used to travel, you know, crazy distances with money sewn in his pockets to go and play hockey and to do all these things. Um, and he really takes all these things to heart. And, um, you know, he's a guy that shows up and practices hard every day and plays hard every day and does it with a smile on his face and never complains. So um, there's not anything 
that you you know I wouldn't want in a superstar that I had on my team. Um, I loved my time playing with him, and I think that Rangers fans should feel extremely uh, fortunate to have that guy, um, you know, playing for the Blue Shirts every night, and because he's a guy that you know will put in the effort and not take nights off. You see too many of these superstars taking nights off, this, you know, these days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they might score a hat trick one day, and the next day they're dash four. Um, that might happen with him. I'm not saying it won't, but, um, you know, he generally doesn't take too many nights off. And I think, uh, you know, he's unquestionably one of the one of the best players in the league and, and a superstar in the league. So, um, like I said, Rangers fans should be thrilled to death that he left us crying here. I love him so much. That's Johnny, hilarious. we got to end on that, man. Don't ask. No, I, I actually have two more. I, I, I'm adding one more. Actually, the worst. Um, well, no, this so this like you know things just come to my mind as we talk. These That's people. right. So like, you're playing at Madison Square Garden every night. Who's one celebrity behind the bench that you were like, oh my god, like this is sick. I don't know. I don't have the really? answer for you. Not one. No. God, um, no, I don't have anybody. No Megan Fox or like. I'm sorry. sorry. You know, I'm trying to. Hey, listen, I'm Margo back Robbie in here. Maybe I got too. I maybe got hit in the head too many times. But, <laughs> uh, I remember them showing a lot of Giants and Knicks on the board. You know, yeah. I don't. David Lee was always there. From the Knicks. There's no question. All right, we're gonna end on on a fun one. It's a fuck kill Mary, but it's it's not what you think. It's three three move. You know what a fuck kill Mary is, right? No. You know the concept. Oh, no. so like, okay, so I'll give you three things: fuck one, marry one, kill one. So it's like you can have it forever. You can have it one more time, and then you gotta get rid of it. So we'll just do it that way. Okay. Mighty Ducks, uh, Mystery Alaska, and Miracle. What are my choices again now? Well, I have okay. one forever. And you get one one more time, and then you got to gas the last one. I'm gassing Mystery Alaska. I'm having really? Miracle one more time, and I'm keeping Mighty Ducks forever. You're wow. gassing this. You've probably seen Mystery Alaska too many times. I've seen it a bunch of times. I just yeah. – it, yeah, I mean, it's also the third best of the three. I I got It's my favorite of the three. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the worst of the three. Agreed. I mean, I I, I'm with you. Enough. Like I'm I mean, I saw it in the theaters. I mean, <laughs> like you know, this is the, the my jam. I thought these guys were superstars, and, and it's hilarious watching the movie now. But now my kids are watching it. But Mighty Ducks, no question. In fact, I my. Oldest is just getting old enough. We literally just watched Miracle the other day because now, you know, now he's starting to want to watch movies that have actually some sort of like meaning or and are actually somewhat enjoyable to watch. Um, <laughs> so watched Miracle with, with with my boys the other day, but Mystery Alaska, not not a very good show. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people always said to you too, like Stevie. We- you probably got the Stevie oh, Weeks yeah. thing all the Stevie time. Weeks, you ska- you've been skating the river lately. Yeah. All the <laughs> Igloos, polar bear pets, all all the. I mean, no, you get the boys with, with Nate. I mean, I'm. He's told you these stories a million times. We all grew up with the same bullshit. Uh, yeah, coming out of Alaska. So yeah, well, we we pitched Nate there. All the all the craziness. We told Nate they should make that happen, like a winter classic in Alaska. Like that'd be sick. Like recreate, like how like how the MLB did the Field of Dreams, like the NHL doing the Mystery Alaska. That'd be, be so unreal. Sick. It would be cool. Yeah. So, but, uh, Dubes, yeah. thank you so much, man. This was great. Um, this was awesome. And obviously you're welcome on anytime. So, yeah, well, I know it's taken a while, um, but I appreciate you guys having me and, uh, really enjoyed my time with you guys. And, uh, we'll definitely jump on here with you guys again at some point. Yeah, Doobie. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. 
Huge, huge thanks to Doobie. Uh, that was an awesome interview. What a guy. He's an absolute gem. Um, you know, we, we, uh, talked for him a little bit after the interview as well. Great, great, great dude. And, uh, yeah, Johnny on to you. I think we'll be getting him back on at some point this year. I feel like we kind of, <laughs> yeah. we kind of vibe with him. So, uh, Give him our pitch. yeah, I, I hope he can make another appearance later on this season. I think he's, he's going to be up for it. So a lot of fun hearing stories from him. Like I said, one of my favorite players growing up. So it was really cool just to talk to him. Um, do you want to go into the draft segment? Yeah, yeah, let's do the draft. Uh, we have a really good one this week. It's actually pretty interesting. So the draft this week is what in life would give you the biggest thrill ride? And that could be good or bad. Um, an example of this would be like going to prison, right? Like that, that would not be a fun one, but it would be a crazy adrenaline rush uh, for for probably the wrong reasons. But uh, Johnny, I'm going to kick it to you and, and let you- Is that uh, your first pick? That wasn't my first pick. That was okay. just an example. I'm going first? Yeah. Fuck. Okay, um, I can go first if you yeah, want. You go first. You go first. I, I'm gonna right off the jump. I'm gonna say with my first overall pick. Um, for me personally, like winning one of my team sports championships, preferably the Rangers or the Yankees. I mm -hmm. think I I don't know what I would do with myself because I haven't seen one in such a long time and not one as an adult. Uh, so so I'm I'm going with that for number one. This is so because like, I'm trying to think realistic. Like I would, I would personally never go skydiving because I'm too big of a wimp. But that's it. that's a throw ride. It doesn't have to be something you would. Well, do. I want to keep it realistic. No? no, no, no. It doesn't have to be realistic. It just needs to be like, what would be the biggest craziest thrill for you, like, in life? And it doesn't have to be something you personally would do. Okay, I have a good one. Okay, the twelfth leg of an watching the 12th leg of a 12 game parlay that I have, if the first 11 hit watching that 12th game, <laughs> 12, that would be a thrill wow. like okay. 10 bucks to win, you know, 20 K like that would be All right. a thrill. All right. Uh, with my second pick, I'm going getting stuck in the ocean with sharks and surviving to tell the tale. The fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's like thrilling. Like to me, you're just picking like, well, the, the sports one was good, but this is just scary shit. Yeah, I said good or bad. Would that not be the craziest adrenaline rush of your life trying to live through that? It would. I think I, think I just let them get me. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're mentally weak. But, yeah, I, um, I don't know if I get right. myself out of that. Dropping really, you off in the jungle. I don't think like dark. Like I, like, I don't have a... Think dark, man. This is really hard. I'm it's trying to think really of really not. Like I, I could think of them for you. This well, I mean, you, you watch Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Shark Boy and Lava Girl. You were um, you were seven years old when that came out. I watched that two weeks ago. It's terrible. Um, what's a good one? I guess like maybe jet skiing. <laughs> All right, you're such a nerd. Um, my last one, I'm gonna go like maybe like being a paratrooper and jumping out of airplanes. See, like I like I don't think I don't think about this shit. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> John Johnny's third pick is like predicting an entire week's slate of games correctly no no i'm gonna say uh <laughs> can i say you could say whatever you want there's no rules i feel like something like if when i have a kid someday like that'd be a thrill like watching them do something you know okay all one? right so on that note we're gonna end this week's draft <laughs> i'm not good um, at this one yeah yikes uh but onto this week's slate the rangers have the devils tonight um, they have the Leafs on Thursday. Johnny and I are going. So, uh, you know, come through, say hi to us, DM us, whatever. It'd be great to uh, meet some of you guys. And then they have the Flyers and the Hawks. So it's, uh, you know, a couple of good games and, and a couple uh, bad games. Against but I guess you never know because the Hawks beat us. So, uh, Johnny, what's your prediction for, for this week's slate? So Rangers-Devils, 
Um, this it's one, a big one is a big one, and the Devils are coming off a pretty bad loss against the Islanders, so I think they're going to come out a little buzzing. But I actually am thinking the Rangers win this game. I think it's going to be a four to two Rangers win. I think Igor stands on his head again. He's starting to find his game a little bit more. So I'm saying Rangers four to two. Okay. Rangers four to two. I actually really like that prediction. Um, but the devils have kind of been like a scoring machine. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to tweak it slightly and I'm going to say Rangers four to three. I, mm-hmm. I do think, you know, the devils are playing very, very good hockey right now, but Igor's kind of getting into his own. And I, I just, I have a good feeling about it. Um, I have a good feeling about this whole week. So onto the Leafs, I just want to preface this. You and I are undefeated when in the building together. Um, we're, th- we're three or four and oh, so mm-hmm. I-, I feel pretty good. Like the Leafs are a buzzing team, but the Rangers usually really play well against them. It's usually a one goal game, like a, a goal bonanza. Um, I am going to say, I, I, I want to say, I, I don't know which way this is going to go, but I think the final score is going to be five to four. I was going to say five, three Toronto. Uh, I, I think it's five, five three, Toronto. And, um, I'm just going to go with the Rangers. I'm going to go with the Rangers because that's what I do. I'm saying 5-3 Toronto. Okay. Um, Flyers. Flyers. I think this game we see Halak play. I was going to say the same thing. I think this is like a 2-1 to one Rangers win. I was going to say 2-1 to one Flyers. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I was going to say 2-1 to one Flyers. It's going to be a stinker. It, it has Halak written all over it. Um, and then on to the Hawks. You know, they, they kind of busted us up last time. I think we're definitely going to get our revenge. I'm going uh, five to two Rangers. We're going to see Igor. Um, yeah. I'll say four to one Rangers. In okay. All right. So so we both have Rangers going three and one this week. Another good week for the boys. And I, I think that would be, you know, those five games that we were talking about were going to be daunting tasks. Like that would be excellent getting eight points out of 10 possible points. So, mm-hmm. you know, right now we're in a playoff spot. It, it's a lot of, a lot of hockey left to play and the Metro is not forgiving as we know. So the Rangers just need to keep kind of like pushing that forward. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's all I really have this week. I don't have much else to say either. As always, thank you guys for listening. We got another one coming next week for you. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's really it for this week. So thanks guys. Love you. LFGR. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.